This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So first of all, I just want to, I want to comment last night. Some of you were here, some of you were not. And we spoke about that. We all sent the message that every year, even now, we're destroying the Beis HaMikdash because the Beis HaMikdash is Ba'asli Mikdash, B'Shachanti B'Socham. So there's a Beis HaMikdash in every single one of us, in all our houses. And I spoke about internet and movies and the same thing that Titus did by bringing the Zara and Zaina into the Kodesh Kedoshim that we do the same. I want you to know that the whole night last night was worth it because after I spoke, a young lady came up to me and she handed me her smartphone and she said, Rabbi Wallstein, this is my Avodah Zara. This is in my house. I don't want it anymore. I want Hashem to be in my house. Please destroy it. I said, but you need a phone. She said, I'll, I'll just get a flip phone, a regular phone. I don't want internet anymore. I said, fine. I went home last night and started rebuilding the base on Migdash. I filled up my sink in my bathroom and I dumped it in the sink. And when it had water all over the screen, I threw it in the garbage. And whoever she is, she should just know that that's how you build bricks in the base of Migdash. She removed, again, I'm not telling you that you have to throw your phones in the toilet, but the internet and the pictures and the stuff that we watch, that has to go into the toilet. That has to be taken out. If we want to so I just want to tell her, I don't know if she's here or if she's listening, but she gave me an unbelievable chizik the first time in all the years that I'm talking about this subject, uh, uh, people have come over to me, what an amazing sheer, you're right, you're 100% right. No one has ever handed me their phone to flip into a, to destroy it. So, Baruch Hashem, um, we started rebuilding the base of English last night. So today really, it's not really for me to make a speech, um, it's really on the kinnis that was written, so I'm going to go through for the next 40 minutes, 45 minutes, um, some of the kindness that was written. But before I do that, um, I spoke last night about the beginning of the Avera and that it started way before the Beis HaMikdash, that it actually started the night of Tishabov was the night of the Miraglim, but I was wrong. And I apologize for making that mistake last night. For it did not start by the Miraglim. It actually started on the sixth day of creation. And on the sixth day of creation, Adam and Chava, before Shabbos, ate from the Eitz Adas. And we know, I've spoken many times, that the basis of the Avera, of eating from the Eitz Adas, was based on jealousy, because the Nachash told them that Hashem has something you don't have. He knows the difference between Toiv Lera. She had Kinnah, she became jealous. And when a person becomes jealous, because it's sinner, it also is the antithesis of Hakarasatov. Because if you appreciate what you have, like I said last night, then you're not jealous of what anybody else has. The reason you're jealous is because you don't appreciate what you have. I think it was uh, Lincoln that said, um, I cried for a man who had no shoes till I met a man who had no feet. It's one thing to have no shoes, but imagine a person who doesn't have feet. So a person has to be appreciative for whatever they have. And this was the terrible sin. That was the first sin that happened. And the Medrash says that from that sin came the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. How do we know this? We all know last night we read Echa. Right? Yimiyahu wrote Echa about the destruction of Eretz Yisrael and the destruction of Klai Yisrael and the destruction of Beis HaMikdash. And how does Echa begin with the word Echa? Well, the word Echa is actually used in Bereshis. And if you look in Bereshis, after they ate from the tree, both their eyes opened up. And they realized they weren't dressed. By They put the fig leaves around them and they made clothing. And they heard Hashem 
and they dressed themselves and they covered themselves in front of Hashem Hashem was now Hashem Elohim called to Adam and Hashem said where are you the same exact letters of the spelling of Eicha Aleph Yud Chaf first time the word Eicha was ever used was on the sixth day of creation when Adam and Chava did the Avera that was based on jealousy that was based on being a Kafui Toiv not appreciating and all this forum asked Hashem knew where they were God asked them where are you that's not a godly question of course Hashem knew exactly where they were so what was he what was he asking and Adam and Chava understood that he wasn't asking where are you look at their answer Hashem we heard you we were scared because we're not dressed so we got dressed they didn't say where they were Hashem asked them Ayeka, where are you they didn't answer the question they didn't say we're in Gan Eden we're behind this tree they said we know that we're not clothed anymore so we got we covered ourselves so they understood that Hashem wasn't asking them where they were Hashem was asking them Ayeka what happened to you where are you where's your head what are you thinking how could you do something like this Eicha how did this happen and what happened what does this mean that they weren't dressed what does that mean what were they so embarrassed of the animals in the world were also not dressed what was this revelation from eating from the eight tadas that they weren't dressed so in many Sifre Kabbalah Nechido writes about this and Chaim Vital writes about this before they ate from the eight tadas they were always dressed but they were dressed in a kosnas or they were dressed in clothing of light Aleph Vav Resh they had a Kedusha they had an R they had a light and that covered their nakedness when they ate from the Eitan Das they lost that light and once they lost their light which was the spiritual light all that they could see when they looked in the mirror when they looked at themselves when they looked at their reflection all they could see was their human body their animal side by his Vaisheshud they became ashamed that we lost our spiritual side we lost our light and later on at the end HaKadosh Baruch Hu says Vayasu lehem kosnas ar with an ayin and Hashem made them clothing out of skin, out of leather and it's brought down in Kabbalah this is a fascinating thing that the difference between a Sefer Torah today and a Sefer Torah when Mashiach comes is only one letter that when Mashiach comes the, the word R where it says Hashem made them clothing out of skin the ayin will be changed to an aleph and once again we'll have that clothing of light so no Tisha B'Av did not start by the Moraglim Tisha B'Av started on the sixth day of creation when out of the midah of jealousy and out of the midah of being a kafri tov of not appreciating what God gives us what our parents give us the not appreciating it takes away the light of a person takes away the kedusha 
in the light of a person and we see later Hashem calls them Afar he says you come from dirt and you're going to dirt he doesn't call them Adam anymore because Adam has potential Adam is dirt is, 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 is not dust but dirt and Adam, Adama is anything you put into the Adama you put corn, corn grows tomatoes, tomatoes grow whatever you put into the ground grows but in dust nothing grows and Hashem taught us a very big lesson and he said that a person who's a kafli toe who doesn't appreciate anything he comes from dust and he'll go to dust but a person who does have appreciation for our parents and for God and for Hashem's world and for life last night we spoke about a bottle of wine a bottle of wine is life and the Neshama dreams about says sometimes 500 years sometimes a thousand years Neshama dreams about coming into this world and, and doing Kibra Ve'en and, and learning Torah and, and being Tzniyas and, and, and doing all these mitzvahs and it's dreaming and it's watching and it's looking and it can't wait that bottle of wine that bottle of wine and then it comes into this world and we hit it with all these cheap bottles of wine and after 120 years the Neshama comes up and it has nothing and it says I was cheated and they show him the, and they show him the recording of, of, of what he did his whole life and he realizes that he missed the whole picture so a person has to leave has an where we have to appreciate what we have and we have to appreciate that after all this Hashem still saying Hashem still saying I want to be with you and we're still here there's a it's written in the in the Archgold book it's very beautiful on this on this subject so in Yirmiyahu it says Hashem says this is a metaphor of course my soul shall weep in secrecy for your pride so he says here that the Maral says that where's Hashem's hideaway where's he, where's he hiding where does he hide so he says he hides in every one of our souls and that, that a soul is part of God so that every single one of us has this soul and in this soul we are, is godliness and in that godliness HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Shekhinah weeps every time we do an Avera and every time we don't believe in Him and every time we don't hold that hay like that little girl and say Hashem help me and I was thinking last night when I went home how, how they put that hay next to her when she was in anesthesia when she was, when she was sleeping and how they put it in this little baggie next to her. And that how the minute she woke up, it was around her neck. And how that we're also in our generation in anesthesia. We're asleep. We're not connected at all to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're connected to every technology in the world. We're not connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we're asleep. And that, hey, God is, is next to us. While we're going through this surgery. Gullus, the gullus that we're in. It's a surgery. And the hay's laying next to us. But we want it so much. When we finally wake up, we finally get rid of all the and stupidities in our life, we finally wake up and understand that there's a hay right next to us. When we wake up, we'll be, we'll be there around our necks. And we'll never even know that he was gone. But we have to have the same belief as that little girl. You can't take him away. She fought them. You can't take that off my neck. Even if I'm having an operation, I have to go into that operation with that around my neck. As long as I have that hay, as long as I have a Kurdish Baruchu, I know I'm going to be alright. I have someone to talk to. So many of us have so much other stuff. And the hay is not even next to us. It's not in the same room. It's not in the same city. It's not even in the same country. Because Baruch is waiting for us to come to that window and look at that bottle of wine. And that we should imagine what the Beis Hamidish would be like. How many of us are going through a Tisha above. We didn't even think a moment. You know, everybody, it's an interesting thing because I, I listen to people speak and, and before, you, you know... Before Tisha B'Av, everyone was coming over to me and saying like, I hope Mashiach will still come before Tisha B'Av. I'm like, why? It's like, because I can't fast. It's so hard. And it's 93 degrees. And my grandfather died this year, and I want to see him. And my uncle is sick. That's not why we want Mashiach. That's, 
the same thing that we've been doing all the time. That's our list, our laundry list that we go to Hashem. I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And Hashem says, but I need this and I need this and I need this. It's not a one-way, it's not a one-way relationship. And, and it's brought down, I don't want to even say apikarsis, but that a person who wants Mashiach, because they're not doing well in business, or somebody is sick, or someone died that they want to see, or they don't want to fast, and there's above. There's an apikarsis, it says. The only reason that a person should want Mashiach is that the Shekhinah is in Galus. And the Shekhinah has to watch all this suffering. And the Shekhinah was thrown out of his house. We're not doing so bad. If you break it down. Right? I mean, I had a whole list last night. But we have air conditioning. And tonight, when you break your fast, you're going to have kakash cake. And pizza. And tomorrow everything is going to be back to normal. Baruch Hashem, we all have clothing. And we all have houses. And we all have cars. And some of us are going up to the mountains for Shabbos Nachamu. We have a concert. We're not doing so bad. Right? Life's not so bad. We're not in a concentration camp. We're in America. Things are pretty good. So what's the whole dish above? Hashem has nothing. God has nothing. He has no base on English. He has no Yerushalayim. He doesn't have his children. They're all questioning him. His children are being persecuted. He's thrown out of his home. He's thrown out of every home that he wants to come to. He lost everything. We didn't lose everything. We, we really did, but we don't realize it. Somebody sent me a text right before Tishabov. I don't understand. I never lived in the time of the base. I mean, how should I know what I'm missing? We talk and don't know what we're missing. We wouldn't be able to sit here without Mamas laying on the floor and banging our heads on the floor if we knew what we were missing. We have no idea what we're missing. We don't know what it means to live with the Beis Hamidrash. We don't know what it means to look at a Shekhinah. We don't know what it means Kemarei Kayin Gadol when he comes out of the Beis Hamidrash. We don't know what it means the ten miracles of the Beis Hamidrash that a woman never had a miscarriage. That nobody ever said that Yerushalayim is not comfortable. That people could bow down even though the room was full and there'd be extra room. We, we don't understand what it means to be able to, to do a sin and to bring a carbon and to walk out and feel like you're forgiven. And to be so connected, we have no idea what we're missing. We really don't. We really don't. So, so the reason that a person is supposed to want Moshiach and sit on the floor and say, Baruchu, the Shekhinah HaDoshah, she's dressed in black. So she never leaves the Kaisal. There's a famous story of Big Tzaddik who came one night by himself and there was nobody on the women's side and he went to David on the women's side by the Kaisal. And his Talmudim that were there said, Rebbe, why are you going to the women's side? He said, let me David and I'll come back. And he came back and he said to them, I David on the women's side because there's so many millions of tears on this side much more than on the men's side. And he said, did you see that lady that came, that walked in behind me? And they said, Rebbe, what lady? He said, didn't you see that lady dressed in black? It's a famous story. And the Talmudim said, what lady dressed in black? Are you kidding me? You didn't hear her screaming? They said, what are you talking about, Rebbe? We're watching you down, but there was no one there. And he said, you didn't have the schuss to see the Shekhinah. She stands by the Kaisal and she cries for her children every single day for the destruction of the base Hamigdash. Just a wall left in Eretz swell. And look what's going on at that wall, everybody. Trilling on women. Craziness, taking yeshiva boys to the army. Craziness, the gullus is making us crazy, like a bunch of drunks. We don't even know what we're doing anymore. And the shechina is crying. They want to take my boys out of yeshiva. They want my women to wear tefillin. And we're sitting. We need mashiach because I don't want to fast. So the whole crying on the floor, especially if you're a mother, to understand your child what they're going through. What Kleistro was going through, and I named it off last night, that the Shekhinah doesn't have a place to rest, that the whole world is saying that there is no God. Atheism. Everything that's voted in America, I don't have to go through it. That there's no more marriage in the world. There's no holiness between a man and a woman anymore. They destroy that because they don't understand what a marriage is. 
They don't understand the kedusha that a husband and a wife can have. They don't understand that you can't get that chapter shalom from two, two people of the same sex. So they don't understand that. So they destroy marriage. So our kids are falling off the derech. They're destroying Yiddishkeit. They're destroying marriage. What does the Shekhinah have left in this world? Why is Hashem letting this world exist when this happened in the times of Noah? Hashem destroyed the world. Because he's about Rachamim. And every parent here knows that no matter how bad your child is, and even if your child leaves the house every single day and every single moment, you're waiting for the child to knock on the door and say, Mommy and Tati, I want to come home. I was wrong. I made a mistake. I want to be with you the rest of my life. And the Kush Baruch was waiting for that. And we're sitting and we're saying, Oh yeah, I can't wait till this fast day is over. So I can have a piece of cockish cake. What changes tonight for God? For us, at 1 o'clock, 102, we're back on our chairs. Tonight, we're eating. Tomorrow, we can get our hair cut. 102, every car, everywhere is going to have music. By Thursday, you're not even going to remember that there was a tish above. But what changed for God by Thursday? Does he have a base of Migdash? No. Does he have Yerushalayim? No. Does all of Israel believe in him? No. Does he have all his children keeping Shabbos? Kosher? Tzniyas? No. First thing after Chatzos, check our phones, check our messages if we didn't do that yet this morning. And life goes on for us the way it was. Except for one girl that gave me her phone last night. Her life has changed. But for most of us, life's not going to change. Thursday, what's the Shabbos? Shabbos, Nachamu? Forget about it. Forget about it. Kishka, Kugel, Fleishik, for Hashem. Tomorrow afternoon, we can go buy Fleishiks and burgers and franks and steaks. And we don't even have to make a seum to eat it. We can just eat it. By Thursday, we don't even remember what happened. But the Shekhinah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what changed? Last year we said, Hashem, we're going to change. You're not, we didn't, what did we say last year? We said last year, just, just think about how we think. Last year we said, next year, it's going to be a Yantif, no more fasting. What we should have said is, next year, Hashem, Daddy, Tati, we're bringing you home. Next year, you're going to be back in the base Hamidosh. No more pain for you, Shina. I didn't say it, and you didn't say it, and nobody said it. Everybody said, next year, it's going to be a yantif. Burn your kinnis. To sit on the floor no more, get rid of your sneakers. Next year, we're going to eat fleshics. Who said Hashem? Next year, you're going to have your house back. You're going to have your Kohanim back. You're going to have your Beis Hamidosh back. And the whole world is going to say, Hashem Echadosh Moachad. How many of us get angry when we hear all these atheists challenging God? The whole world doesn't believe in Hashem. Do you know how many times this year since last Tisha B'Av, I met girls from very from homes and boys who sat in front of me and told me to prove God. They don't believe in this whole business. They don't want to be religious. Because I want Mashiach so that they all know what I know. That you're the only one. And you're the only creator. And you created this world. And I don't understand anything about this world. Zero. In the Hasere Ruge Malchus that you said today, so it says in the Hasere Ruge Malchus by Rishmol Kohen Gadol. So I'm, I'm reading it actually from Yom Kippur because the Hasere Ruge Malchus from Yom Kippur is a little bit more 
explanatory than the one in, in the Kinnis. So you all know the famous story, right? Yumiho said, on these I cry. And it was in the days of the ruler, the very, very bad king. And ten tzaddikim were killed. Actually not all at one time. Different generations. And I want to read it to you from inside. So this ruler studied the book, the Sefer Chumash. And he understood that there were laws. And he called in the sages, he called in the tzaddikim. And he ordered the whole palace to be filled with, filled with shoes. And he, said the, he asked him the following question. What is the law, Jewish law, if a man is found to have kidnapped a member, another Jew, right? In the Sarasa Dibros, the who shall not steal is talking about kidnapping. And kidnapped him and sold him. What's the halacha? So they said, the Ferish halacha, that the kidnapper has to die. So he said to them, well, in that case, your ancestors, the Shvatim, they sold Yosef HaTzadik to a bunch of Yishma'elim. And we know he must have learnt with Perushim that what did they do with the money that they got? What did they do with the money that they got from the Yishma'elim? So they didn't want to use the money for anything Kadosh because they sold their brother. So they wanted to use the money for something that's not holy at all. So they bought shoes. That's what they did with the money. They bought shoes. So he filled the palace with shoes to remind them of what they did with the money. So they said they have to die. So he said, you, ten, since you are like them, like the, like the Shvatim, you, ten, are going to die instead of them. Had they been alive, I would have killed them, but they're not alive, I'm going to kill you. So, the Chachamim said, we have a choice here. These were Tanaim. They could have wiped out the Romans together with this king by using names of God. But they said, if it's this guy's an anti-Semite and he's doing it to us, we'll wipe him out. But if it's what Hashem wants, we'll be Makabalit, we'll accept it. How are they going to know if it's what Hashem wants? So, they said, give us three days. And they went to Rabbi Yishmol, Rabbi Yishmol, who knew Hashem's 72-letter name. And he said Hashem's name. And he went up to Shemayim. I'll tell you something amazing. There's an unbelievable medrash on this. And then we'll get to what happened. The Chidah says the following. It's very, very scary. Chidah says, who is Rabbi Yishmol, Kohen Gadol? Chidah says that Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol was a Gilgal of Yosef HaTzalik. And he was very, very beautiful. In fact, the Gemara says that the Malachim, the angels, used to come down to look at his face. And whatever this means, they said he is so beautiful that he's a millionth of God's appearance. Whatever that means. Crazy, crazy beautiful. We know that Yosef HaTzadik was very, very beautiful. The Medrash says that, that Aisha Fortifa became sick from loving him and not being able to get him. Her friend said, what are you, crazy? He's a, he's a Jewish slave. What are you? She said, you never saw such beauty in your life. And the Medrash says that she put him around in a circle. She gave everyone an estrig and a knife. They, put, they, never, they took Yosef in chains. They put a metal thing around his neck to hold his neck up so he couldn't put his face away so that all these women could see him. They schlepped him into the middle of the circle. And the Medrash says that there was blood running from their fingers. They were so in awe that instead of cutting the esrig, they were cutting the tips of their fingers and they didn't even realize it. The Medrash says, he was that beautiful. So Rabbi Shmuel, who was a Gilgal of Yosef HaTzadik, looked like him. He had the most terrible, terrible death. What was his death? His death was that the king's daughter saw him. And she also never saw such a beautiful man. 
So she told her father, you could kill all the other rabbis. This rabbi I want. I want to be able to look at him every day. I have never seen such beauty. But this Russia, this king, said, no, you can't keep him alive, but I'll give you the ability to see him every day. And he peeled Rabbi Shmuel skin off his face. And when he reached to the Makam HaTfilin, Rabbi Shmuel Makam HaTfilin was, I read it to you from inside. There was, the earth shook. And the sky shook. And the Malachim said to Hashem, This is how you reward such a big tzaddik, Kain Gadol. And Hashem said, if I hear another word, I will take the earth and I will destroy it. Why was he punished in such a terrible, terrible, terrible death? To be skinned alive. And it says in the Gemara that the Romans stuffed his face, right? They made a, like a character out of it. And that every year, they would take a, um, a, a, a person who was a cripple, and they would put a Roman on the cripple, and then they, they would hold this face up, and what they were trying to show was the cripple is Yaakov Avinu, because Esau, which was Rome, hit Yaakov Avinu when they fought and made him into a cripple, so that represented Yaakov. The Romans were, had destroyed Kleistro, so they were on top, and they held every single year this character, this stuffed face of Rabbi Shmuel So the Chidah asks, why? Scary Chidah. Also, Rav Chaim Vital brings this down. And he says, who was this princess? that asked for his face. This was a Gilgal of Eshes Potiphar. Why did she have a right to have him skinned so that she could look at him every single day? Says Rav Chaim Vital, because when, Rav, when Yosef HaTzadik was in chains and that metal thing was holding up his neck, he beat to, he looked at her, he stared at her for a moment and enjoyed what he saw. And that had to be cleaned out. And therefore, you enjoyed what you saw. Now what you saw has the right to enjoy you. Mida kenega mida. You enjoyed what you saw? Now what you saw has the right to enjoy you. And he died such a terrible death for enjoying looking at Eishat Potiphar for one second. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What do we look at? What do we look at? For more than one second, girls. What do we look at? What's going to be our Gilgal? That the people that we watched one day will have permission to watch us. What a scary Rebchaim Vital. And they asked, and Malachim said, and Hashem didn't answer the question they asked a great question they said this is how you reward the good and Hashem didn't answer Hashem said one more word he threatened them one more word I'm destroying the world so the answer is brought in a marshal there was a king who came to a tailor and he told him he wants to make him a beautiful set of clothing and he gave him many, many spools of, of silk. And there were many people in the kingdom who hated the Jews and knew that this Jewish tailor got the job. So there were mamish anti-Semites. He makes this suit for the king. It's beautiful. And the king shows it off to everyone. Look at this Jew. He's so, and all these people were very jealous. And they came to the king and they said, yeah, but look at this suit. You gave him so many spools of, 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 of beautiful clothing, of beautiful cloth, of silk. And look what he gave you, a little suit. The king came to him talking, he said, you know what? They're right. So the Jew said, king, if you want me to prove to you how I did it, there's a lining in the suit, there's a lining in the pants, there's a lining in the jacket, there's a lining in the sleeves. I'm going to have to take your whole suit apart, piece by piece, to show you that I didn't waste one piece of clothing that you gave me. To the Malachim. If you want to understand the Asare Harugay Malchus, then I have to take the world apart. 
from the time that it was Sayyid Vavayu, the time that it was Sayyid Vavayu was the time that Akash Baruch Hu created the world. From the time that Hashem created the world till now, if I show you everything that happened till now, then you'll understand why this had to happen. But unless you get the picture from the beginning of the world and all the Gulgulim and all the Tikkunim and everything else that has to happen, then you don't understand, you don't understand the reasons for what I do. And all of Sarah we don't we don't understand the reasons. But we as people have to understand we see so much pain, so much pain at the end of time and and it's brought down that, that the end of time is going to be a lot of pain because there's no more time for Gugulim. The, the world has two, 227 years left. Very short time, that's nothing. So it says that in our door, in the last door is before Mashiach, everything happens fast. Life is fast, food is fast, everything is very, very fast because there's not that much time left in the world. We just have to understand that Akash Baruch is running the world and that that little hay that little silver hay that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that even when we're in anesthesia even when we're in an operation even when we're going through pain and we're in, a, in an operating room and we're going through surgery that hay never leaves our side and that there will be a day when we open up our eyes when Mashiach comes and we'll be wearing that hay again but we have to understand that when we walk out of Tishabav, we have to make the Shekhinah feel different we have to make a change in our life that the Shekhinah now has a place to rest so I want to end I don't want to end but we have to end to give another, other people a chance to speak it was a very sad medrash and maybe if I get a chance a short story it was a very sad medrash that I pretty much read every year where HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to us the following Hashem says to us Halavai asu oisi banai kegazimi Baruch Hu says, I understand that I'm not the main dish, I'm not the appetizer, but that I would be happy if you would just give me, if you would just treat me like a dessert. Even after you're full, you did you, you have you have your phones and you have all your business and your schooling and you're very, very busy and you have all this stuff. So at the end of the meal, you're really not hungry. Like dessert is just the extra thing, you're not starving for dessert, right? So I thought to myself, what is this Medrash saying? And this I never said before. Kargizimi, like a dessert. So at first, the Medrash, the Medrash actually begins and it says that the Jews had six, 365 houses of Avodah Zarah, 365 different houses, different movie theaters, 365 different movies, right? Different, different houses of Avodah Zarah. And Hashem said, I went through all your houses and I didn't even become one house. I'd be happy if you had 364 of my and I was one, and I was the 365th. He said, you totally ignore me. I'm not, you know, on, on your list, on your phone, it doesn't say God. You know, on your Facebook, I'm not one of your friends. I'm not listed as one of your friends. I'm not even one of them. I, I understand you're not treating me as God. I would love that you would treat me as God, but, but I'm not even your friends on Facebook. So this is what he was saying in that time. He was like, you avoid the Zoris, and I'm, I'm not happy. You have 360. Why can't I be just one of your, one of your movies? <laughs> Why can't I be one of your movies? And then the mentor says something that's very fascinating. That Hashem says, I'm not your main dish. I'm your dessert. I want to be your dessert. Why, why does Hashem say, I want to be your main dish? Your soup, your appetizer. I would think, okay, the... the, the Right, what, what the Medrash is trying to tell us that like, God is willing to accept that He's not the main thing in our lives. Okay? He's willing to accept that. Okay? So then say, I understand I'm not the main dish. The main dish is your secular life. But let's make me the appetizer. What's with this dessert? I thought about it and I understand what the Medrash is saying, I think. Why do you eat dessert? You're not hungry. You're an appetizer. You're not a soup, right? Why do you eat dessert? There's even a shayla if you have to make a bracha, a separate bracha on dessert because it's not part of the meal. So, to eat dessert, dessert has to be delicious. Nobody in this room is going to eat potatoes for dessert. You're not. You're not going to eat steak for dessert. 
You're not going to eat a salad for dessert. You're not going to eat soup for dessert. It's going to be chocolate, cake, fruit, something sweet, something different, something special. And I think it's a very deep thought, and I want you to, this is my share, I'm ending. If you leave with this thought in your heart, the next year, now it's going to be a yantif. I'm not going to be able to eat. Next year, God gets his house back. Next year, God gets his children back. Next year, we're back with the tata and the mama. What Hashem is saying in this medrash is the following. Even if you're full, with all your stuff, you're really not hungry anymore. You're not looking for religion. You're not looking for God. I, I got what I need. I got my car. I got my stuff. I got my degree. I got my job. I got my kids. Hashem, it's nice to know that you're up there, but I don't really need you. Hashem is saying, I want to be your dessert. You don't really need dessert either. You want it because it's sweet. You want it because it's special. You want it because it's the last thing you remember when you get off the table. I know when I go out to eat, sometimes I'm very interested in a place that has a good dessert menu. In fact, a really good restaurant with no dessert, you're not going. Why not? It's good steak, good bread. Because when you leave the restaurant, the last thing that's in your mouth, the last thing that you remember is that unbelievable chocolate mousse, that unbelievable piece of cake. Whatever it is, they have these crazy phyllo things with three levels and, and, and white stuff in the middle and strawberries on top. And they, they actually have, right, we all know this, a special chef in a good restaurant in the back. He is a dessert chef. That's all he does. He makes desserts. That's what the Medrash is saying. I want my nation who want me at the end of everything, at the end of the day, at the end of working, at the end of everything, say, uh, I was very busy today, but, but before I go to sleep, I want dessert! I want dessert because that's the last thing I'm going to remember. You are my dessert. My Kriya Shmalamita is my dessert. No matter how busy I am, I have two minutes to say, you're delicious. He always used to say that Rav Shem Shepinkis all of his own. I, I, was, I was fascinated by the way he used that word. He said, Akash Baruch you're delicious! He used to always say that. I was like, what? What do you mean he's delicious? He's from this medrash! You are delicious! The meal, I have to eat, I'm hungry. You're the extra, you're the thing I remember, you're the sweet, you're the cake, you're the end. You're the one I walk out, what I remember, that's what we're talking about. Oh my God, what a dessert. When Mashiach comes, Hashem says, I'll be all the courses. The appetizer, the main dish, the soup, and the dessert. But now in Golas, you're very busy. Don't walk out without dessert. Don't go to sleep at night without saying, I had a delicious day because you're a delicious God. And I'm in very much pain because after the nine days, for the rest of the year, God still has the nine days. For... For the last 2,000 years, girls, we haven't changed. We haven't changed. So he's still not here. He still has no home. I want to end with a story, Mika Amcha Yisrael. The story is brought down in Olin Lishabeach in Devarim. There was a famous tzaddik, he was called the Shapla Zayda. And he was sitting with his chassidim around him. And he was singing Yismechu B'malchuscha B'kari Oneg Kosh should be happy with his kingdom on Shabbos So the Chassidim started singing and the Rebbe's expression was not he was not satisfied So he waved his two hands and he said Come on Chassidim, let's go Let's go, take it up a notch We have to sing to Kosh Baruch Shabbos Yismechu B'malchuscha So they took it up a notch He still wasn't happy so he turned around to his chassidim and he said, You will never manage to sing Yismachu B'machuscha the way the two Jewish sinners 
sang it in the town square. Chassidim are what? We can't sing like two Jewish who are doing Averis? What's he talking about? So he told the following story. Mikam Chisrael. So there were two Jews in the city that broke away from the Jewish community and assimilated with the non-Jews. One day, the two of them sinned gravely against the government and were condemned to death, burning at the stake. Their sentence was scheduled to be carried out on Shabbos. In those days, executions were held in the town square. And the government, hoping to instill fear for disobeying the law, would command all the local people, even the Jews, to gather in the town square to watch the execution. On the Shabbos of the execution, the fire was lit in the town square, and when it grew to a roaring blaze, the two Jews were thrown into it. As the fire scorched their bodies, they began screaming in pain. At some point, the executioners removed the two Jews from the fire and brought them to the local priest who told them there is one way for you to be saved from the fire even though you're burnt you're not burnt that much that you'll die convert the two Jews looked at each other for a moment and told the priest to bring a cross delighted they had managed to convince the two Jews to convert the priest ran and brought a cross from the nearby church and he placed it before them what did the two Jews do then? They took the cross and they threw it into the fire that was still blazing. Seeing this, the executioners decided to make the Jews' punishment even more severe by burning one limb at a time. The hands that threw the cross into the fire will be burned first, they declared. The executioners bound the Jews' hands and placed the Jews' two hands into the fire. The two Jews' hands may have been bound, but their lips were not. And at that moment, they burst out singing, With their last bit of energy, the two condemned Jews screamed out to the horrified Jews standing around, You should learn how to rejoice in the kingship of our Father in heaven. In the midst of singing, Their souls parted from their bodies in holiness and arose before the throne of glory cleansed and pure the same story happened in to tell you exactly who was dying at that point when the um, the executioner was looking to he had, he had they had put on they had put on him um, they had put on him cotton that was soaked in water so that he would die slowly and I'll tell you who it was and the executioner they burnt him with the Sefer Torah Rabbi Akira they raked to death Rabbi Hananiah ben Trajan they put they put cotton on his heart so that he would die slowly and the executioner said, if I take off the cotton, will you, will you take me into Ganeiden? And he said he would, and it says he died fast. And Abbasco came out and said he took him into Ganeiden. Mika'am Yisrael. But we don't have to die for Hashem this generation. That was a Holocaust. That was the Spanish Inquisition. Hashem is not asking us to die for Him. Ladies, Hashem is asking us to live for Him. We don't have to die. We don't have to jump into a fire. That's not what He's asking. But it's much harder to live for Hashem than it is to die for Hashem. For to die for God, it takes a moment. But to live for Hashem takes a lifetime. was stuck in Shemayim, it says. He went up, and they didn't want to let him down. He was a Gilgal of Yosef HaTzadik, and the Medrash says, this is brought down by Rav Vital, that the Malachim would not let him come down, and all the rabbis were around his bed, he was sort of in a coma, and they were waiting for him to come down. He wouldn't come down. So I don't know which, which Tana said, 
How are we going to get him down from Shemayim? Allah are not letting him down. They want to keep him there. That's what it says. Chaim Vital. He took the scarf of Anida, of a woman that was impure. And he took the scarf and he threw it onto the bed that Rabbi Shmuel Kohen was. And Rabbi Shmuel Kohen woke up. And they asked him, what happened? And he said, I was in Shemayim in the most Kajishtika place. And the Malachim didn't want to let me down. And I'll tell you the truth. Once I was up there, they didn't want to come down. He says, but something happened on this world. And they took me and they threw me back down to this world. What did you do? You took the scarf of a nigga and just put it on his back. Toma and Kedusha. Imagine Chasr Shalom, a boy and a girl that are not Shem and What that does in the next world to that person's neshama. They threw Rabbi Shmoi Klingadol out of Shemayim because on his bed was a scarf of an impure woman. Imagine what it does to a person's soul when someone is not Shem and or when a married couple doesn't keep Taras HaMeshvachah. It's time to bring the Kedusha back. It's time to bring God back. It's time to rebuild the Beis HaMingdash. Every person in this room needs to take on something when they walk out of here today, not just look at their clock and soon it's pizza time. And say, Kedush Baruch Hu, you're in pain. And this Tisha B'Av, I'm telling you, I don't care about fasting. I don't have a problem with it. It doesn't matter. I want you home, Tati. I want you back, Tati. I miss you so much, Tati. We're dying. We're sick. We're assimilating. We're falling apart. I want you home. So I'm taking something on myself to make my Migdash, which is me, but also me, Migdash. I am a base on Migdash. Forget about my house. For Shachanti Besocham. There's a place in me, God, that I'm going to make so pure, whether it's not being jealous, not talking Russian horror, not talking back to my parents, not looking at things I shouldn't, whatever that place is, I'm going to make you a room in my soul. It's just for you. For Asuli Migdash, for Shachanti Besocham. I will make a place in me that you will be able to dwell in. And me, the Kenege Mida, HaKash will say back to you, and I will make a place for you when I build my Besamingash. Next year, back with the Tati in his house. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.